Welcome to Boss of My Money podcast, your number one choice for bite-sized lessons on how to take care of your coins and achieve financial success. I am your host, Esther Bangura, the founder and budgeting expert at Boss of My Money. So whether it's improving your money habits, developing a wealthy mindset, becoming debt-free, saving money, or learning how to invest, girl, say no more because you are in the right place. If you want to get started with paying yourself first, why not get your hands on one of my amazing freebies, the roadmap to paying yourself first and my free budget sheet at bossofmymoney.co.uk. So now it's time to put the kettle on, make yourself a cup of tea and join me in today's episode. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Hiya, welcome to Boss of My Money. This is episode number 14. In today's episode, I'll be answering some of your money-related questions that you have sent me either via email or direct message me on Instagram at Boss of My Money. I absolutely love answering your questions. And today I've picked two questions that are related to investing and ICES. Okay, so let's get straight into it. The first question is, um, can I have more than one ICES? Um, For anybody listening who's not sure what an ISA is, it's an individual savings account that we have in the UK. And it's an amazing um, type of savings account because it has tax efficient benefits. So the answer is yes, you can have more than one ISAs, but you can only invest in one at a time at any given year. So there are different types of ISAs. You have the cash ISA, you've got the help to buy, you've got the lifetime ISA. You also have the um, innovative finance ISA, and this is for pair-to-pair lending. And finally, you have the stocks and share ISA. For um, kids that are under 18, you have the junior ISA um, or the junior stocks and shares ISA. So let's say that you had these three ISAs. You had a cash ISA, a lifetime ISA, which is also known as the LISA, and you have a stocks and shares ISA. So because they're all different, you can actually contribute to all three of them in any given tax year, but you can only contribute a maximum of 20,000 a year um, on all of them, right? So when you add up your annual contribution, it can't be more than 20,000 every financial year. So what you can do is spread the 20,000 across the three accounts um, in order to make sure that you're maximizing your contribution each year. So my husband has a LISA, a lifetime ISA, which is for his pension. And he also has a stocks and shares ISA for investing. So you can contribute to more than one as long as they're different types. So for example, if you had a cash ISA with NatWest and another cash ISA with Barclays, you wouldn't be able to contribute towards both cash ISAs in any given year. You'd have to pick one cash ISA that you would contribute to And then depending on what the rates are, you might find that, you know, another one of your banks is offering a better rate on the cash ISA. So you might decide the following year to switch it over. So as long as you remember that as well, 
the rules with ISAs change every year. So in the UK, we're going through our budget now, where the government announces what our financial plans are and what the financial goals are for the next year. So I would say definitely, you know, um, go on your banking website and contact your bank, or you can even go on the .gov.uk website and see what changes have been applied to ISAs this year. I don't think there has been much, but I will be finding out myself because this is a time that they make all the changes, change all the rules as to how much we can save. So I remember the cash ISA having a limit of 15000 a year. And a few years ago, they increased that to 20. So that might stay the same this year, or they may be increasing or decreasing it. So you always want to make sure that you are up to date with the ISA rules. Um, and you find that your banks and your building societies will be writing to you. They'll be sending you emails around this time to let you know of any updates and changes to your interest rates or how your ISAs operate and what the rules are. So make sure you open those letters so that you are informed about your money. Okay, so moving on to the second and final question. I kind of saved this till last because it's it's a very long question. And when I received this lady's email, um, it absolutely touched my heart. So I'm literally just going to read it out as per the email. Um, so it reads... I was made redundant a while back and had no money saved. I had to make months wage last two months until I found a new job. It was a struggle. Since then, I made sure I had a safety net in case it ever happened again. Moving forward from that time, I have all of my finances in order and I am saving up for a mortgage. There is no better feeling than being financially independent and feeling secure in case the worst happens. I have a friend who was like the old you, as in she's referring to me, spending all her money and having no savings. I pushed all of my money saving tips onto her and together we opened a lifetime ISA each. We talk about how much money we've saved and our saving goals. We would like to know a little more about going further. We have the ISAs a safety net of savings. We have our pensions in order and contribute to them monthly. But what else can we do to make the money, to make money on our money? We would like to know more about stocks and shares. Do you invest in stocks and shares or anything else? How do you make your money do more for you so that you are even more financially stable than you are. While my friend lives at home and has a family around her should the worst happen, I'm 37 and don't have family to rely on financially or otherwise. I am single and dependent on myself, so I feel the pressure of being financially secure as there is no alternative. You are the boss, she says. I love your podcast and my friend I mentioned above is the one who recommended you to me. Oh, how far she's come. Continue doing what you're doing. We and women especially should be more vocal about our money situation. Absolutely amazing. So when I got this email, I obviously needed to know a bit more in order to give um, an answer that I felt would be valuable to this listener. So I emailed her back and I asked her a bunch of questions um, just to kind of deep dive a bit more so that I wasn't giving her like vague answers, right? 
Um, so she responded back to me. And so I feel like I have enough information to be able to give a tailored kind of you know, guidance. But before I answer, I just want to give a disclaimer that I am not a financial advisor. I am not an investing advisor or manager. So please do not use any of these tips or information as financial advice. Be sure to do your own research. The information that I provide is just for information purposes only. So do your own research and speak to a certified financial advisor. Okay, let's get into it. So what I've done is I've broken down the answers, right? So I'm going to tackle each each sort of question because there were lots of questions within the question individually. So the first one is, I have, so she has a 0% interest credit card um, that she puts a small amount on every month and pays it in full each month, right? And so her credit is going up because I asked her about if she had any debts, So she said that she didn't have any debts, but she does have a credit card that she's clearing the balance on each month, which is great. So she's not carrying the balance forward. So in terms of that, what I would say, because you're getting ready to buy a house, it's important that you maintain a healthy credit score. So I don't know if you've heard about Experian Boost. Um, It's basically where they're taking into account Um, not just the debt that you manage, but they're taking into account um, how you're managing your money on a daily basis, right? So what they do is, is that they give you a boost. Um, If you are like paying your council tax, you know, that would give you a boost. And if you're saving money in your savings account or in your investment accounts or in your ISAs, they will also give you points for that. And it never used to count before, but Payments that you make, digital entertainment payments that you make to Netflix or Spotify, those things are now going to be counting towards your credit um, rating. So even things like Amazon Prime, they are going to help to boost your credit. But what you want to do is to go on the Experian website and check it out yourself. So I would say um, try the Experian Boost Um, definitely stay under your 30% credit utilization. If you're not sure what this is, I have a blog um, where I've written and explained about what credit utilization is. Um, I think the blog is titled How to Build Your Credit Responsibly. Okay, so um, she also mentioned that she had four months of emergency fund. This is absolutely amazing. I am so proud of you. So from your question, you mentioned that you are dependent on yourself and it sounds like um, one of your money values um, may be security and independence. So in that case, I would say for you to build up to six months and then start investing um, in, in stocks and shares or in the stock market. I feel like you're doing amazing already. So if you round that up to six months, then you can then just focus solely on investing and other short-term goals. And you may also want to think about other life goals that you have. So you've got your four-month savings, but is there a holiday that you're planning? Um, Are there any birthdays coming up or events? I would say also have money aside for that, right? So it's great to invest, but where people go wrong is that they take all of this, their disposable income. So once they pay their bills, 
whatever's left, they put it all into investing and they forget about short-term goals that they have. And in the end, they end up making poor decisions about their investment. They will sell, you know, when things are not looking good because they're desperate for money. So I would definitely say build your four-month emergency fund to six months and also have money aside towards your short-term goals, right? And then you can invest what is left. Um, and also the reason why I say that is that if you don't have em- an emergency fund or short-term goals, then you start to, like I said, you start to sell your stocks when you don't need to. Um, money in the stock market is long-term investing. So once you invest that money, you're not looking to touch it until at least, yeah, at least five, 10, 15 years, you're thinking long-term. This isn't just, I'm going to invest because stocks have gone high for two months and then see what happens. That is not investing, that is trading, which is something completely different. So if you're thinking about long-term investing, you want to make sure in preparation that you've got your emergency fund and um, pops of money saved towards your other goals, right? So that you don't, you know, make poor decisions, as I mentioned. And also, if you put all of your money in investing without having your fully funded emergency fund and your pots of money, you're more likely to get into debt. So there are people that invest, but they have a lot of debt. And that's because they haven't calculated the numbers properly. They are investing every month, but then they still need money towards emergencies, towards short-term goals. And because they're not saving for that, what they're doing is they end up using their credit card and paying minimum payments and they just end up in that vicious cycle. So although it looks like they're investing and their investment could be doing good, when you calculate their net worth, it's actually negative because although they have assets and investment, they also have a lot of debt. Okay, so you mentioned that you want to buy your house in two years from now um, and that you are maxing out your LISA every year and you have about £10,026 so far in it um, and you've had it for two years and your goal is 20000 I just want to say again how proud I am of this listener, you know, because you're doing the work, you've covered every single area. And this is why I talk about personal finance, not just being one side ended. It's a holistic view. We're making sure that, you know, our savings are intact, that we're not in debt or getting out of debt and we're investing for the future. So absolutely amazing. Now, I would, I would suggest to continue to max out your LISA each year as you are already. So what that looks like is contributing £333 every month. That will give you £4,000 a year in your LISA, and um, which means that the government is going to give you a £1,000 bonus each year if you are saving £4,000 every year in your LISA. So it actually means that every year you will have £5,000 in your license towards your house. So if there's anybody thinking as well of buying their council flat, you don't actually need a deposit if you're buying a council flat. I've been speaking to a lot of people who have asked me questions about buying their council flat. You don't need a deposit for that. And actually, that was a question I forgot to ask you in the email. 
So if you live in a council accommodation, you do not need a deposit. All you need is about um, three to seven thousand for associated costs for solicitors, broker, insurance and stamp duty. So they have extended um, the stamp duty discount where you don't have to pay stamp duty on a property of a certain value. Um, so if I'm hoping that, you know, within in less than two years, you be even more ready to buy your house and that the stamp duty allowance will still be um, available that you can opt in. Another thing I want to add is, yeah, so there's been an announcement and this could actually benefit you. Um, 95% mortgages are back in. So you're probably asking, well, what is a 95% mortgage? Well, a 95% mortgage is where, you know, the banks put down 95% um, of, of the money to buy your house and you only need to put 5% down instead of 10% deposit. This is absolutely amazing. So what this means is that, you know, depending on the value of the house that you want to buy, maybe that £10,000 that you already have saved could be enough for you to get on the property ladder now. So that's something that you want to look into. The only thing is with 95% mortgages is that the interest rate are likely to be a little bit higher. So your your monthly repayments could be a little bit higher than usual. So what you want to do is if you can put in a little bit more than 5%, then it will work in your favor as interest your interest rate will then be lower. Also as well, we don't know about the house prices, whether they'll go up or down in a few months. And the house prices will determine as well the deals that lenders give and the type of risk that they're willing to take on. So yeah, definitely look into it because you may not have to wait for another two years. You can, you may be able to actually get on the property ladder now, depending on where you live. So just remember that in addition to your deposit, there are other costs that I mentioned, like the solicitor and the broker fees as well, and things like insurance. Um, you'd need to get life insurance. You'd also need to get content insurance and other types of insurances because they want to make sure that if anything happens to you or to the home, that you have that covered. Okay, so in the email, you almost, you also mentioned that you're not investing in stocks and shares, um, that you don't know anything about stocks and shares. You have about £800 that you can comfortably invest with. Um, you said that you're an, a beginner investor and your risk tolerance is medium and that you're not sure that you have a pension which is invested into a medium slash high risk investment to build this until you retire. Um, and then it will reduce to low risk investment. Um, so let's assume that the £800 is what you have left after contributing towards your savings, right? The first thing you want to do is to decide if you want to manage your own investing or if you want to get an investment manager to manage it for you. So that's the first thing to decide, right? Your investment manager will invest your money in already made portfolios or create a bespoke portfolio um, for you based on your goals and you know what you want the money for, when you want the money buy. And so there is a management fee associated with this where you'd have to pay the investment manager a fee um, or you can decide to invest it yourself. 
So that's the first thing to decide. You then want to um, decide where you're going to open your investing account, right? So I use um, Hairgraves and Lansdowne, but there's also like Fidelity and Vanguard and lots of other ones. Um, when you're looking for who who to invest with, what platform, so this isn't picking investments. This is just choosing the platform, like how you decide what, what bank you want to bank with, right? So you need to decide um, what platform you're going to use. You do. You want to look at three things. You want to make sure that it's a secure platform. You want to make sure that it's easy to invest, that you can log in online, that there's an app that you can use, um, and it's just easy to use. So when you go on the site, just have a look at the navigation and just see whether it's something that you feel comfortable with. If it's complicated, then maybe opt for something else. You also want to make sure um, that, you know, the people that work there are supportive. So one of the things I love about Haygraves and Lansdowne is that if I have any issues, I call them. If I have any questions, I call them. I am new to invest in myself. So and I love asking questions. It's the way that I learn and it's the way that I overcome any sort of fear. And it's the way that I separate the truth from the lie. You know, I don't like to just take what people tell me. I like to go and find out, you know, the truth about investing. So I'm always calling them up, asking questions and stuff. So those are like the three things that you want to look out for. You want to make sure it's secure, it's easy to use, and that they're a helpful platform. Okay, you then want to get started, um, ideally with stocks and shares ISA because of the tax efficiency. So with the stocks and shares ISA, you don't pay any tax on capital and profits, right? But remember that the tax rules do change, but for a, for the longest time ever, you know, the benefit of having a stocks and shares ISA has always been that you don't pay um, tax on the capital um, or the profits that you make, right? So, and also you don't need to declare your ISAs on your tax return. It's not information that you have to declare. So those are the benefits of getting started, with your stocks and shares. And as well, remember that you have that £20,000 a year allowance. So you want to max that out. And then once you've kind of maxed out your stocks and shares, then you can move on to other platforms. Um, the other platforms, they, they will charge you a fee. So there's, and you will get taxed on your capital and your profits. Um, so after that, you want to decide on what to invest in, right? And this is where a lot of people kind of get stuck, especially when you're new in investing. It's like, what do I invest in? Um, so as a newbie investor, um, I think just from books that I've read and even from my own financial coach, um, the best way to get started is to um is to basically decide if you're going to invest in single stocks or index, also known as individual stocks or index fund. Now, I'll tell you the difference between the two. Um, individual fund is where you invest in an individual company. So it's where you invest in Amazon, in Google, in Uber. You're putting your money into those individual companies and you're picking the companies that you're investing in. The only thing with that is that you need to do your research and know about these companies, about their past performance, their potential future performance. So one of the things that people get wrong is that when they hear, 
of a particular company doing great. They're like, oh my gosh, this company is doing great. I need to invest. But by the time you hear that they're doing great, it's too late, right? Because the people who had invested in that company five, 10, two years ago are the ones that will now benefit from that company doing great now. Because by the time you get in when they're doing great, then the cost of the stock is going to be very, very expensive. So you want to not just focus on now, but also think, okay, how is this company going to look like in five, 10 years time? So you will have to do some research on that. So this is why the best way forward is to invest in index fund. So an index fund is basically a a collection of the most popular stocks that are performing well. So it's almost like going to the supermarket and instead of buying one bag of broccoli, you buy a bag of mixed vegetables. Um, I would say that an index fund is much safer. It's lower risk. And if you're not really sure about what to invest in, then you're better off to just get started with that. So in the UK, you have like the FTSE 100, FTSE 250, FTSE 500. And and it's basically the top 100, the top 250, the top 500 um, companies, you know, that are performing in the UK and, you know, internationally as well. And so what you're doing is you're putting your money into that, you know, pot of investors and you're spreading your money. You're diversifying your money and portfolio, which is key to investing. You never want to put your eggs in one basket. You always want to diversify because the truth is we don't always know which companies are going to do good. Right. So what you're doing is that you're basically just following the index um, index index fund where whatever companies are doing good, your money is going into that. Now, obviously that has been impacted lately. Um, and whenever I look at my investments, I'm just like, oh my goodness, some days are great. And some days it's like, what the heck? Um, but then it is what it is. Like that is what investing is. And we, we are going through unprecedented times at the moment. We're in the middle of a crisis of a pandemic. So things like the economy, you know, health crisis, war, politics, they all influence how well your investment does. Um, So I would definitely say consider an index fund, start with the stocks and shares ISA. And then once you've started with your index fund, you then want to diversify that. So I have recently diversified by adding international stocks. So I'm now investing in American stocks. And later on, um, towards summer, I want to start investing in bonds as well. So you want to make sure that even in your ISA that you've diversified, that you're not just putting your money in index, but you're spreading your eggs across many baskets. And this is what will help you to get your money to work harder for you. So this is the thing, like investing is complex, right? You know, I was um, listening to someone talk the other day and they were like, oh, you know, investing is easy. Anybody can do it. Don't let anybody fool you. Investing is complex. So you need to be open to learning and you also just need to get started. The best way to learn with anything is to get started. You know, build up your basic investing knowledge 
um, and then just get started. Start with small and build up. You know, when I started to invest last year, when the pandemic started, my first sort of two, three months, I was only investing 50 pounds. And then I've increased that over time, right? And so you want to start small just so that you can get used to the platform you're using. You can get used to, you know, setting up um, the stocks that you want to invest in. And with the platform that I use, like it's all set up, it's all automated. My money goes into my investment account every month. And then I get an email to say that they've received it. I get another email to say they've invested it. And all I need to do is basically just review it every now and then. So don't let anybody fool you. Investing is complex, hence why you need to develop your investing literacy. So I actually have a one hour, 30 minute investing workshop that I do. Um, I only do this after I've done like a budgeting session with somebody and I see that actually they're ready to start investing then I do like a one-to-one investing workshop with them. And it's basically where I taught them through how to get ready and the mistakes to avoid um, when it comes to investing. Um, so I would definitely suggest that you sign up for that. Um, you can send me an email and I can give you more details about that. Um, it's only an hour, 30 minutes, and it's a one-to-one. So I, I used to do it as a group, but I, I feel like the one-to-ones work better because pe- everybody's situation is different. And it means that you can get more value by asking your specific questions. There are two books that I can suggest that you read, and I'll put the details in the show notes. Um, if you get started with those two books, and even if it's just you getting started with, you know, deciding if you're going to have an investment manager or invest yourself, picking the platform and deciding what you want to get started with. Um, Even if you do that as a start and then build your investing literacy and then just take it from there. Okay. So that brings us to the end of the Q&A this week. Um, Your questions answered about investing and ISAs. I hope you found it helpful. Um, I absolutely love the question that came in and it was just so detailed. um, And I'm hoping that it's answered like most of your investing questions. Um, Like I said, like just keep building your financial literacy around investing. Um, You know, find out those who are around you who are investing and just ask them to share their experience. Um, Thank you again for sending your questions. Please keep them coming. I love answering your questions and it helps me to know what topics, you know, you guys are interested in and how I can help you to achieve your goals quicker. Um, So yeah, I guess the action for this week would be to get an investing book, you know, read an investing book, add it to your library. and just learn something new about investing that you didn't know. And send me a DM on Instagram at Boss of My Money or email me. Um, the email is within the show notes. Email me and just let me know what you learn. You know, it could be just one thing, one thing that you didn't know about investing that you know now from doing your research. Thank you again for listening to Boss of My Money podcast with Esther. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. And if you'd like me to answer any of your questions, you can include your name or it can be anonymous. Then do send your questions to esther at bossofmymoney.co.uk. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it if you took time 
to also rate and review this podcast. Stop by at bossofmymoney.co.uk for more details on how you can get started on your financial success journey. See you again on the next episode.